0: Hello, this is Kirk Kovac. Today is Friday, February 1st. This is Perspective from Politics NC. I'm here in Raleigh with Thomas Mills. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Kirk? I am great. So the first thing on my mind today is I think Wednesday the legislature came back into session. They're starting the 2019 scared long session. all of Raleigh. Yeah, everybody's scared. But The first topic that I saw that was covered, and and there'd been a lot of talk about this prior to, but but Democrats in the House and Senate both um, presented a bill that would be a clean expansion of Medicaid. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know we've talked about it before, but now it's actually legislation that's in front of some of the members of the House and Senate. So this is a clean uh,
1: expansion, right? I, I don't know that much about this bill. Um, I have not had a chance to really take a whole lot of look at it. I, I, my thought, uh, thoughts on it's more, more political than policy. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, I think what Democrats have said is we're going to make this session about expansion of Medicaid. And for them, it's good politics. Their base all wants it. It's got broad support across the state. And it's a political issue that they can put out there that defines who they are and uh, puts Republicans on defensive to some, some degree. Uh, Medicaid expansion would really help rural North Carolina, and Cooper made the point that it would um, help rural hospitals, which are struggling and, and a lot of which are, have gone away in recent years. And so there, there's, this, there, there's this chance to start showing rural North Carolina that, North, that Democrats still care about them and want to uh, do things to make their lives better, and it puts Republicans in a position of saying, um, well, we they're either going to say, yeah, we care about you, too, and we'll find some way to, to help you out, or they can stick to their talking points and say it's too expensive. Uh, I, I noticed they're already pushing back on Twitter this morning. A prominent Republican was saying, I'm not in favor of giving uh, working uh, men who are able to work and uh, Medicaid when they sit around and do nothing but but uh play games play games yeah. on videos you know that's not who they are i've got a good friend who's a uh he's a carpenter and he's a self-employed carpenter and he falls through the hole he can't afford medicaid and he can't afford uh, He he doesn't qualify he for makes medicaid too makes too much for yeah. medicaid and and but he doesn't make enough money to buy health insurance so he's just stuck and uh that's who these help these help these this this will help the working poor people that republicans don't like to admit exist well and you said a second ago that this is
0: popular for the democrats base but it's it's just popular in general it seems like and and to your point the rural areas seem to suffer the most with these hospitals closing i saw it would be almost 50,000 jobs i think i suppose mostly in healthcare but i'm sure if you're having Hospitals, hiring more people that invigorates these small economies as well in the rural areas. Exactly. It it just seems like a net positive for the state. And um, I know it definitely is a focus for the governor. I I was at this Community Voices event the other day, the News and Observer hosted, and Lee Lilly was there, uh, who works in the governor's office. And when they asked when they thought the session would end, he said, when we expand Medicaid. So it's clearly going to be the topic for them over the next uh, few months. Um,
1: well, it, you know, for Democrats, it's a great, I mean, that, that was a great it's like line a because, it's, yeah, I mean, they could go into 2020 if Republicans don't expand it. it it's, you know, Republicans are denying health care to, to North Carolinians again. And uh, health care is probably the biggest single issue um, nationally, aside from Trump. And uh, but but as far as issues that actually def- affect people's lives its healthcare so it's 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 a it's a good position for them to have well i wonder
0: how that plays into um, redistricting and gerrymandering just the idea that some people might represent areas that would benefit from the medicaid expansion but the nature of the district means you have these very conservative people getting elected because it only matters who wins the primary so do you think there are a lot of districts that have representatives that would benefit from not passing it because the primary would be so contentious if somebody maybe says that oh they're socializing medicine or something.
1: Uh, you know, I th- I think Medicaid expansion is popular enough that it would not want to, it would not become something that people wanted to run against or on. Um, right. in in. In a Republican primary, I mean, my sense is from talking to people over the years is that there's there's broad support for some some sort of expansion across party lines, and uh, I I just don't think it would be a big contentious issue in a Republican primary, though though I may be wrong. Well, time. I don't obvious. know that many Republican primary folks.
0: Well, I saw an article the other day, I think, in either the Charlotte Observer, or the News Observer, talking about. The 2020 races are heating up, obviously. We've got tons of people running in the um, Council of State races, primaries already. But uh, one of the premier races in the state, but also uh, nationwide will be Tom Tillis and his reelection campaign. And the the article mentioned a couple possible candidates on the Democratic side, but I wanted to see your thoughts on some of the people. They named, I think, Anthony Fox and Josh Stein And um, just in my world, those didn't seem like people very likely to run to me. But I wanted to see your thoughts on maybe those two specifically and then who might actually end up running.
1: Right. You know, there are a couple of people already in, uh, State Senator Erica Smith and and, uh, Trevor Fuller out of out of Mecklenburg County. I don't think anybody sees them as top tier candidates. Uh, Josh Stein and Anthony Fox are, are at the top of wish lists. Vi Lyles out of Charlotte yesterday said that she is not running. She's happy being mayor. Um, People can have their arms twisted and changed, but I think she's probably pretty firm on that. You know, either Stein or Fox would be incredibly strong candidates. My understanding is is that Anthony Fox is is, uh, working with Lyft right now and that uh, I don't think he's in the state right this second, but, uh, you know, I, I heard that he made a commitment to them for two years. And if that's true, you know, he's probably not going to renege on that commitment. It, it's an opportunity for him to, to do some really interesting stuff and make a whole lot of money in a short amount of time. Yeah,
0: that's a guaranteed salary.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, he's got he's still got kids that are at, in the house, so – you know, it'd be disruptive to them. You know, Josh Stein is uh, doing a great job as Attorney General. I think he's probably getting some national attention for some of the stuff he's doing around the opioid crisis. He's reached across the aisle to build relationships on things that are important to North Carolinians. Um, I, don't, I don't see the upside to him running when he, I feel like he's fairly secure in his, his reelection campaign and there's going to be a seat open in 2022 where he could run for US Senate and not have to worry about losing and, and if he lost go back to being attorney general and and if he lost in 2022 he'd be the sitting attorney general in 2024 when Roy Cooper's term limited out if 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 he runs and and loses to Tillis he's kind of he's got two choices kind of get out for a little while and try to stay relevant somehow or or kick kick into gear an, a campaign immediately to run for a, uh, the burr seat in 2022. And I, you know, I don't know Josh's mindset right now, but if, but if I were Josh, I'd probably go, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm having a pretty good time. I'm doing some good stuff. I'm making a difference for North Carolina. You know, I, I can, I can, Run and win. Continue to do work, and if I want to move up to Washington in two years, four years, I can do that in 2022, or uh, wait and, and run for Cooper's seat in 2024, or maybe get out altogether. Yeah. Well, irrespective of what he chooses
0: to do, he's definitely been one of the more prolific fundraisers. It seems like I say that's he's, why
1: the DSCC he, yeah. would be really interested. In he's Josh. got a head
0: start on anybody else that wants to run. Yep. Uh, Well, related to that, this was something I was going to ask you anyways, but I saw today's blog post. You wrote about Thomas Farr. So do you think, separate from Thomas Farr, just individually, do you think that nomination will affect Tom Tillis in 2020? Do you think that'll be a big issue with him? Because it seems like he's been pushing for that. Nomination to come back up. I, I know they talked about they were reconsidering it. Well, it just Trump makes can... sure
1: that Tom Tillis won't get any African American support. Not that he was expecting any, anyhow. But you know, it's 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 just a further further divide between uh, the Republican Party and and minority voters of of all persuasions. You know, it's just it's 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 also a reflection of who Tom Tillis is. He's not a North Carolinian. He grew up and built his. Came to North Carolina through business. He probably doesn't. He probably wasn't living here and doesn't even remember uh, the stuff that they were doing at, back in the '80s and '90s that was so offensive to so many African Americans. And so it, it. You know, these this this party, this Republican Party, is pretty historic historically tone deaf. Most of them are not North Carolinians. The leadership, they're people who've moved here. They don't really understand the, the a lot of the divisive history we've had. So they they they. Uh, appear remarkably insensitive uh, to the history, the racial history of the state.
0: Why do you think a lot of the Republicans, not just North Carolina, but to me, I see some of my conservative friends that are closer to my age, and I think they have a different perspective on race than some of the older Republicans. But a lot of them really like what Tim Scott has to say about race. And it, it always strikes me as odd that The lone African-American Republican senator would not have an outsized platform to talk about these issues. It seems like they just ignore what he says on it or try to pressure him to change his mind.
1: Right. Well, the Republican Party has never been very kind to um, their African-American Elected officials and and they're treating Tim Scott just like they treat everybody else. And you know the th- the sad thing is, is is you you look at who Tim Scott is and he is he is a real conservative. I mean, <laughs> he's a social conservative, he's fiscal conservative, he's everything the Republican Party should like. And yet he has a different perspective on race because he grew up in a, as a black man in North Carol- in South Carolina. So they should be paying a lot of attention to him. But they you know they they uh. Who, who was the guy the 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 party chair um from Maryland African American Republican party chair from Maryland you uh oh gosh i'm drawing a blank on his name but i'm not sure uh anyhow and then they had an African American uh congressman from Oklahoma former football player whose name i'm forgetting too both these guys have been off the stage for a little bit but uh um, you know, they, they basically were ignored by the party. We got Michael Steele. He was Michael Steele. That's that what who I'm was, talking about. Yeah. yeah, Michael Steele was part uh, was national. Yeah, was chairman RNC. of the RNC. Yeah, and and he was never treated very well. With and and uh, you know, it, I, I just think these guys they lack historical perspective. They're in denial about what they do because they're still using tactics that are that are essentially racist you know the, the the biggest thing we've seen with them is is the rebuke of Steve King in Iowa but Steve King's just going to ignore him because he's got too much support among his base and he's well he's been around for a while he's been around for a long too. time he's been saying this stuff for a, a very long time and it's just now that they're really calling him out well just because now it's getting so
0: much coverage yep. it seems like you can't ignore it right Back to North Carolina specifically, uh, just yesterday, I think the governor finally appointed the new members of the elections board, and I think a lot of people are still unclear on that whole process, but do you think that this is, this is how the board was prior to all these lawsuits and things uh, that happened once Roy Cooper took office, I believe, so we had like two years of litigation just to get back to where we were before. But do you think there will be a, a quick
1: resolution to this NC9 stuff, or do you think we're still in for the long haul? I'm, I, don't know what, I, don't, I don't know exactly what a quick resolution means. You know, I, I mean, I think they've got to go through the investigative process, and may, maybe they've got enough information now to make a decision. But I, from everything I've read, and it's not been in the news as much, but everything I've read – I've talked to a lot of reporters who've been down there on the ground, and they all say there's a lot of fraud down there. And, and look, this is not new. This has been going on down there for a lot of years, and it's less partisan than it is, than it is about money. But right now, it's on the Republicans, and uh, we probably are going to see a new election. I just don't know when, when that's going to occur. I don't know if that's something that we're going to have in the summer, late spring, summer, maybe next fall.
0: There's no timeline.
1: But there's no timeline for it. And and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this new board reacts. I think most people would like them to move pretty fast, get it out of the news cycle. Yeah. More on to national news. I, there's been a lot
0: of upset liberals because the Starbucks CEO Um, Howard Schultz is considering an independent run for president. And a lot of people uh, are assuming, and I'm not sure, nobody knows really, that he would siphon votes away from whoever runs as a Democrat. But I think I saw you had maybe a a different opinion on that, so I wanted to see what you think on it.
1: I I don't understand what they're getting so upset about. This guy's a billionaire CEO of a multinational corporation. I don't know a whole lot of Democrats who think that's a great profile to run. And um, he's not somebody who's been involved in politics. It comes out that he hadn't even really voted that much. So why he's going to siphon votes from Democrats, I don't know. Seems to me like you've got a lot of disaffected Republicans right now. I mean, everything I see is somewhere around 15 to 20% of the Republicans don't like Donald Trump. This guy kind of gives them somewhere to go. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to fill the middle at a time when I don't see much of a middle to get filled, I mean the Democratic Party is pretty much staking out a a, a pretty meaty liberal um, perspective right now, and you know, and I think a lot of it is a rebuke to the whole supply side economics that's driven uh, our economy and our politics since Reagan. And I think we're about to see this pendulum start to swing back, and we're going to st- see, uh, you know, what what we what we know is that supply side economics and all this faith in the market has led to massive inequality, inequality like we haven't seen since the 1920s, a hundred years. And what brought it back to normal was, was, was more faith in the ability of government to help people, help people with things like colleges, schooling, education, helping them with their health care. It's the same thing that happened with the new deal. And, and, uh, you know, we, we need to see that. We're not, we're not a poor country. We're, we're, a, we're the wealthiest country in the world with the largest economy in the world, and yet we have a, a trillions of dollars in debt, and the Republicans think that the rest of us ought to pay for it and give those guys a pass. And I think that most of the country is going, you know, maybe they should pay their fair share. So I, I just don't see Schultz... Bring, uh grabbing any votes from Democrats. My guess is, is he's going to fizzle out, and we're going to. And, and by the time the election rolls around, everybody's going to be saying Howard who. So.
0: Yeah, he's just been getting so much negative coverage. I, it would be hard for me to see him wanting to stay in for another year and a half.
1: Well, his ego is probably huge. That uh, yeah, that seems to be a lot of uh, the driving bank force. Impact, bank bank account will probably match his ego.
0: Well, the final thing I wanted to get a quick thought. Um, I One of the North Carolina Supreme Court justices is going to retire and become a law school dean, I think, in yep. Virginia. And I saw a couple Republicans saying that Governor Cooper ought to appoint a Republican to replace him, so I wanted to see if you thought that would be a good there idea. There wasn't a couple
1: of Republicans. Most of them, a, all th- of them. There was a letter from most of them saying that, you know, I hope he doesn't listen to them. I mean, I cannot imagine Republicans doing the same thing. My, my pick is, is I think he ought, to, he ought to appoint Patricia Timmons Goodson um, to the seat. She should be on the federal courts, but uh, she got blocked up there in Congress, and uh, she served on the Supreme Court before. There's nobody more qualified. She's fair. She's a good judge. And uh, it would be a historic appointment, It'd be the first African-American woman to serve as uh, Supreme Court just, uh, Chief the Supreme Court. It'd be great. It would be a great choice for Governor Cooper. Okay, well, I, I guess we'll see where that ends up. Maybe
0: we'll have some more to talk about next week for sure, so we'll be back here probably next Thursday, and I'll see you then. Thanks a lot, Kirk.